I remember about uh, 15 years ago, I was in seminary getting my master's degree, and the Lord had begun kind of working on uh, me and Shannon's hearts. So we went forward, actually, during a worship service. We were going to a church there in North Carolina, and, and we went forward. We just felt like God was speaking to our hearts, and, and so we publicly declared, God, we just want you to know we will go anywhere and we will do anything that you want for our lives. Well, then a short time later, the president of my seminary was speaking in chapel, and he began talking about the Northeast, and he began talking about the need for more Bible-believing Christ-honoring churches, and and he was actually focused more on New Hampshire specifically, but all I know is that day, as as he mentioned the Northeast, something just clicked in my heart, and I was kind of locked in. Then not long after that, a friend of our pastors, who was a pastor in Schenectady, New York, which at the time I had no clue where Schenectady, New York was, but he came down to our church, he was visiting with our pastor, he was preaching, and he began talking about New York and all the things that God was doing in upstate New York. And, and again, though I didn't know exactly what it was that God was saying, I knew that day, God had spoken to me in chapel at seminary about the Northeast, but I knew God had spoken to me specifically about upstate New York. Well, those experiences were the beginning of the Lord beginning to speak to me and Shannon about coming to Queensbury and starting New Hope. And as God began to work on our hearts about that, there was one passage of Scripture that God most used in my life. And that's the passage that I want to look at with you tonight in Exodus chapter 3. Now, much of what the Lord used in Exodus chapter 3 really specifically related to my own life. And I'll, I'll point some of that out here in just a moment. But much of it had to do with what I believe God was calling us to do and to be able to be used by Him for Him to do in people's lives through a new church that He wanted to start. So in Exodus chapter 3, I want us just to read verses 7 through 9 together. And before we read those verses, if you read Exodus 3, chapter, uh, verses 1 through 6, you'll see that God began to deal with Moses. And like I said, God began to deal with me. God began to say to Moses, Moses, I have been preparing you your whole life for something. God began to show me that in many ways, he had been preparing my life for something. Then he says, Moses, I've been preparing you, but now I am calling you. God began to show me personally that he was calling me to start this church called New Hope. Now you can go back and read verses 1 through 6. But I'll just share with you, those are some of the most special verses in the Bible to me because how God used them in my life. As we think about and celebrate our 10th year anniversary this week, I want us to think about God's plans and God's purposes for New Hope. And I just got to tell you, it feels so weird for me to talk about this because I remember sitting in North Carolina, reading these verses and all of it just being a dream. And here you are looking at me tonight. This is almost overwhelming because God did it. Amen? God's doing it. Praise His name. And as we think about our story, as we think about why did God ever start this church and where does this church, His family, need to go into the future, I want us to read verses 7 through 9 together because those are the verses that God really began to speak to me about, about His work through this church. It says in verse 7, now after God had spoke to Moses, God was challenging Moses personally. It says in verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters or their slave drivers. 
for I am aware of their sufferings. So I, this is God speaking, have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite and the Mosquito Bites and all those bites. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. There's three things that I, that I believe come out of these verses that have shaped the story of New Hope Church. And the first one is this. The story of New Hope from the beginning has been about trusting God. You know, as we look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, it's very clear that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of that nation, they were stuck in Egypt and they knew that they had no hope. They knew that the only way they were going to get out of slavery, out of bondage, was for God to deliver them. So they looked to God. They cried out. The Bible says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their slave drivers. The people of Israel knew that only God could help them. They were completely and totally trusting in God in this situation. And then as you look at these verses, you see that who was the one who was coming to the rescue? It was God, wasn't it? Isn't it clear in those verses? God says, Moses, I'm speaking to you, but whose burden was it? Who heard the cry? Who said, I am coming down? Who says, I am going to deliver them? Who said, I care about their troubles? It was God who was going to do something about their problem. He was going to use Moses, but, but did Moses go help the people of Israel because he was such a great guy? Is that why he did it? Did Moses go help them because he cared so much or because he was so powerful to do anything about it? No, it was God who had a heart for the people, and God was showing that only he could be trusted in that situation to do something. Now think about Moses. Moses was overwhelmed by what God was calling him to do. If you read the rest of Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4, you're going to see how much Moses struggled. Moses struggled with a great sense of inadequacy. And by the way, let's don't be too hard on him. What if God called you to be a part of rescuing about 2 million people from slavery? I mean, think about it tonight. What if you were sitting here tonight and God spoke to you about a region of the world where there were 2 million people who were somehow in danger of being held captive by someone, and God just said to you tonight, and you're the one I want to use to, to do something about that. I can kind of understand why Moses came up with some excuses in Exodus 3 and 4, can't you? He struggled with that. And in fact, if you read down through the verses, you're going to find out he got to the point where he finally just told God, God, I don't want to do it. <laughs> he made some excuses, and God just kind of kept countering his excuses, and finally just said, God, would you just find somebody else? I don't want to do it. But ultimately, Moses chose to trust God. This whole passage, this whole situation is about trusting God. It was God who had a heart for them. It was God who could be trusted. It was God the people were looking to. And it was God that was going to have to help Moses lead them out of Egypt. Our story, our church family, is a story about trusting God. You know, it started out with me and Shannon trusting God. I, I cannot tell you how hard it was at first for God to convince me that he could and that he would start a church through us. 
I had never lived in the Northeast before. I had never been a full-time pastor before. I'd been involved in ministry for about 10 years, been under some godly men, but I'd never been, I guess what you call the senior pastor before. I'd certainly never started a church before. And I just, can you, can you give me a little sympathy here? I struggled with that. God, I don't know about this. This is kind of crazy. Can you use a, a boy from Georgia to do this? Just from a small country town to do this? There was no church here. There were no people meeting. There was no building. There wasn't, there wasn't even a Bible study going. There certainly wasn't even money to do it. Like I said, at first I really struggled, but God just, over about, it was about a two-year process. God just began to confirm in every way we would turn. God would just confirm in our hearts, this is what I want you to do. In fact, I can remember, he spoke to us so specifically. I remember Shannon and myself sitting about uh, on the second row here in a worship service. And I remember our pastor preaching. And we hadn't told him because I knew he'd run with it if I told him. All right? Y'all know how it is, don't you? You don't tell the pastor when God's speaking to your heart. I knew he'd run with it. So I hadn't told him yet. And we're sitting on the second row and he's preaching. And I, I, I thought, she told him. I mean, he was preaching so specifically, I thought he was talking to us. And I actually, verbally, out loud, turned to Shannon in the middle of the service and said, why did you tell him? It was that clear from the Lord. After that much confirmation in our hearts, we finally decided to trust him. But you know what's so cool to me? Since that time, many of you have trusted him too, haven't you? You've trusted God. You know, can you imagine, I tell people, can you imagine, what if, what if our church was just starting right now? There were some people, aren't you glad for them? There were some people who were a part of that original, what, what a church planner calls a core group of people. When you first move into a town, what are you going to do? You move in, it takes you six months to a year just to get to know your neighbors. Much less they, do you want to start a church with me, right? And so it's of God that anybody ever decided, hey, <clears throat> I'll help you get this thing going. There was that initial core group of people that many of you will never know in this lifetime, and they trusted God that this was something worth doing. Praise the Lord. Amen. Many of you have given your life to Jesus. And can I tell you, it just, it just washes over me when I think about how many of us have trusted God. And I just see your precious, I believe to him it is so precious how so many of us, there are some of us who've come from church backgrounds and we have all kinds of different struggles and those experiences and, and some of it helps and some of it hinders. But for many of us, our church background, you know, we come from that background, we've got that experience, but it was about religion, wasn't it? And now you found out that it's really about a relationship. And many of you who say, you know, I've grown up in church, but it was about religion, and now I'm going to trust God for a relationship. I believe that's precious to Him. You know what I think is precious? There are many, many people in our church who've never had any experience in church. Never, never really talked about God much in their family. And they've just said, you know what? God is speaking to my heart. God, God is talking to me about accepting Him as my Savior. Don't you think that is precious to Him? As someone who's never known what all this is about would say, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. All of us, in some way or another, have trusted God. Maybe it's taking steps of growth. Many of you have been baptized. Isn't that a big step? Many of you have become a member of our church family. Many of you are allowing God to change your lives on a weekly basis. Many of you have been on the first mission trip that you've ever... I said earlier in the service, I would have never 
imagine in my lifetime that I would ever go to Thailand. Much less on a trip, on a mission for God. Many of you are sharing your faith. You've had to trust God. Together we've trusted God, haven't we? I remember when we got this building. You know, it seems so small now, but at one time this building was humongous. We used to be in the Ramada Inn. And we found out about this building. We said, God, we need that building. But at the time, this building cost eight times more than we could afford. So God put on my heart to call the owner and offer him two times more than we could afford. And he took it. We trusted God together as a church family. And that was more than we could afford, but he provided for us. He opened the door for us and he provided the money that we needed to do it. And now we look at this whole building process in front of us now. We say, oh dear God, there's no way. There's no way unless God does it. We're trusting him for it, aren't we? We've started new ministries. We've gone to multiple services. We've faced challenges as a church family. We've faced challenges together and on personal lives trusting god is what our story is all about amen and guys i want to tell you something if this church is going to continue forward in strength we've got to decide that we're going to continue trusting god another way of putting it is faith some of you know that that's what that word means faith means to trust God. We're putting our faith in Jesus Christ. We're accepting His gift of salvation. We're turning our lives over to Him. We're learning what it means to walk with Him throughout this life. We're giving our lives to Him and saying, God, if you can work through me to touch other people's lives, I'm going to trust you and just let you use my life. It's a story about trusting God. But when I think about this passage, I also think about prayer. The story of New Hope is for sure a story about prayer. You know, there's really two things that kind of highlight that in these verses for me. The Bible says that the, the people of Israel had been crying out to God. Some of you know what that's like, don't you? To cry out to God in desperation. You know what? But I don't think we realize, actually, do you realize that, that maybe you've prayed about something for a while? Do you know how long they prayed? How long they cried out to God for their deliverance? Do you know how long? Exodus chapter 12 tells us that they prayed, they sought God's deliverance for 430 years. That's how long they were in slavery in Egypt. That's how long they were in Egypt, for 430 years. And then we have here in this passage, did you notice, Moses is talking to God. He's having a conversation with God. Those are two great pictures of prayer, crying out to God and having a personal relationship where you converse with God and communicate with Him on an intimate level. Do you know, before my family ever unloaded that rider truck, over a thousand people from across the country committed to pray for this church. Isn't that amazing? Do you know that? I hope you know that. I want you to know that part of our story. And did you know, in the many years since our church has got started, many of those people are still praying for you and for me. I just got an email from a lady this week who was one of the very first churches that ever committed to pray for us. Haven't heard much from them through, through the years, but I just thought it was kind of cool. She emailed me this week to say, hey, our church is still praying for y'all. How can we pray for you? Ten years later, they are still praying for what God is doing at New Hope Community Church. Then after we got here, 
Hey, you know what? God's, God's blessed our church family, but I want to tell you, it didn't start out easy. We had been here about four weeks, and nothing had happened. Now, I want to tell you, y'all know me, I'm not prone to discouragement, okay? I mean, I'm going to find something. I'm going to stir up some dust. I'm going to look under a rock. I'm going to find something, all right? But you know what? After four weeks, nothing was going on. And I remember I was having my quiet time one day, and I was just like, God, actually, I wasn't having my quiet time. I went to my basement, my office in the basement of our apartment, and I said, Lord, you know, I just don't really feel like, I'm sorry, this doesn't sound very spiritual. I just don't feel like reading my Bible this morning. I'm just going to check some emails and chill out a little bit. Well, after about 30 minutes, the Lord spoke to me and said, well, if you're through pouting, I'd like to spend some time with you. I was like, Lord, I don't know where to go. I don't have anything. I, mean, I can always find some good reason, some good, you know, silver lining in this dark cloud, but I don't see any today. But God, just lead me. Well, I had this little devotional book. Have you ever seen that little devotional book on the table in the front hallway? It's called On Holy Ground. I said, okay, God, I'm going to open up to this devotional book and whatever. Well, it's Joshua chapter 6. And in Joshua chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. No one came out and no one came in. I said, Lord, that's where I am. I mean, I'm in, an, I'm in a wall and I'm trying to get into this city and no one's coming out to me and, and, and nobody's letting me come into them, into their lives. God, help me. Well, if some of you know the story, the story of Joshua chapter 6 is God says to Joshua, See, I have given you Jericho with its mighty men and its valiant warriors. And he says, Joshua, you're such this uh, trained warrior dude. Put all your weapons down, and here's what you're going to do, buddy. Here's what you're going to do. For six days, you're going to march around the city once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, you're going to march around seven times, and after you march around the city seven times, I'm going to get you to blow a trumpet. And guess what? The walls are just going to magically fall down. Don't you think Joshua's like, oh, sure. That makes lots of sense. Why didn't I think of that? Well, just as real as if God had written on a billboard, I said, okay, God, that's what I'm doing. I got in my car. I highlighted the greater Glens Falls, Queensbury area. And I said, okay, here's the walls that I need to come down, God. I need to get in. And I, for six days, got in my car. Did you know it takes approximately 52 minutes to drive around this area? Okay. As long as the traffic, give or take. All right. So every day I go around, it takes about five hours to do that last day. Okay, the seven times. And after I got around, right at Ridge and Quaker, I pulled out Josh's trumpet. <laughs> and the walls came down. Not. No, what came down is this lady's car. She about had a wreck because I was sitting there blowing my little trumpet in my car. Well, I went home that night, and Shannon said, I think something happened today. I didn't want to be unspiritual, but I thought in my mind, yeah, right, whatever. So I said, okay, what happened? She said, well, I was at, uh, what is the uh, place over there, the skating rink? Kids, the fun spot? She said, I was at the fun spot with the kids, just hanging out, just, you know, trying to see if I could reach out to somebody. She says, this lady walks up to me and just started talking to me. She said, and when, when she started talking, she said, I didn't really say anything. She was just talking, and, and she said, actually, I figured out she's a Christian, and she was trying to witness to me. And she said, and the lady just said, she says, hey, well, uh, 
you know, she says, my husband and I, we've been looking for a church. She says, we can't find a church in the area. She says, actually, we've been praying for years that maybe God would just send somebody here to start a new church. Maybe that like a school or a seminary would send somebody here to start a new one. Shannon's mouth's wide open. And the lady's like, you know, what, what's wrong? She says, that's why me and my husband are here. God worked through that couple to open up the door to 19 people who met in a dentist's office about half a mile down the road. And then a few months later, 37 people met at the Ramada Inn for our first night of worship in October of 2000. Church family, I want you to know something. We're not just going to talk about prayer here at New Hope. This church has been founded on prayer. Do you understand that? It would have never started in the first place. It was the Lord and Shannon who started this church, not Robbie. (laughs) Because I couldn't get it going. But you know what's been even cooler for me over the years? And I just got to share my heart with you guys. It is so awesome for us that went to Thailand to know that we have a praying church. I don't know if I have ever been a part of a church that I've heard people tell their pastors so often, Pastor Robbie, I am praying for you. Friends, can I tell you something? I am always about that far away from running into the ditch. And many times, I believe it is your precious prayers on my behalf, on behalf of this church family that keeps this thing going. Can I just please ask you to do something? Never stop praying. Amen? Please don't stop praying. If you don't know anything else to do, never stop doing that. And and can I just share something else with you? It's got to get even bigger. It has to. If this church is going to continue making an impact for God, our prayer ministry must expand. We will not be satisfied until New Hope is absolutely, positively, without a question, known by other Christians around the world. And and can I just tell you, there are many Christians who know of you as a praying church. My mom, when she has a difficult situation in her life, she calls me and says, Robbie, I know your church prays. And when I ask you to pray for me, God does things in my life when your church prays. Isn't that awesome? We want to be known by other Christians, but we also want to be known by our community. The Bible says that we should be a house of prayer for all the nations. We should be a place where people from all over the world connect with God. Isn't that awesome? This place, our story, is absolutely a story about prayer. And the final thing I want to share with you that God shares in these verses is the story of New Hope, the story in this story that God put on my heart was to be our story is a story of changed lives. Let me tell you some reasons. Let me share with you some reasons. Let me tell you what was not the reason I felt called to New York. I didn't feel called to start a club for Christians. I didn't feel called to do church politics or to babysit immature believers. I didn't feel called to just do church, just a bunch of religious activity. Because I want to tell you, I've told you before, if we're just doing church, I'm going fishing Sunday morning. Because the fish are biting. Amen? And I'm missing out. The only reason I'm here is because I believe that God is changing lives. Amen? I want to be a part of that. That's what God wants us to do. People need the Lord. I need Him. 
You know, I missed you guys. I can't miss a week. You know when I miss a week? That's two weeks. Did you know that? You miss a weekend. That's two weeks I haven't seen y'all. I missed two weekends. That's a month since I've seen y'all. I'm kind of having withdrawals. Amen? I need, I need my church family. God uses you to change my life. You need the Lord. Thousands of people in our community, millions of people in our nation, billions of people across the world need the Lord. And listen to what God's plan was for the Israelites. He says, I have come down to deliver them. Wow, they were praying for that. How many people right now just wish somebody could rescue them? God says, I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. And that terminology was just saying a land of blessing. God's plan for the Israelites was to deliver them from slavery and to take them somewhere. Where was he going to take them? He was taking them to the promised land. He was taking them across the Jordan River into what we call the Holy Land. He was taking them to a place that he says, listen, I've promised you a land of blessing. Now, some people say the promised land is a, is a picture of heaven. Maybe ultimately heaven is our promised land. But really, I believe the promised land is a picture of the victorious life that God wants to give us on this earth. Because in the promised land, there were still problems. In the promised land, there were still giants to face. But God said, if you will trust me, I will give you incredible victory no matter what obstacles you face. That's what God was saying. He said, I want to deliver you, and then I want to give you a victorious life. I look around this room, and I see lives that have been changed. I see lives that are changing. And I see some lives that maybe are about to change. If you'll let God work. You know, it's the greatest blessing. It's the greatest joy in life. There's nothing better. I don't know what would make your heart beat faster than to be able to be a part of God changing someone else's life. I never get tired of it. It never gets old. I never, somebody walks through my office and say, no, somebody got saved yesterday. I'd rather wait till next week to see another one. Are you kidding me? Somebody's forever being changed? How could you ever get tired of that? But listen, and some churches stop right there. It's not just there. I want to tell you what, I accepted Christ when I was 12 years old and I'm still changing. Amen? And I got a long way to go. And I never get tired of it. I mean, sometimes it's a struggle. Amen? I mean, sometimes it's hard to trust God, but ultimately, everything that I've turned over to God has been better. Amen? How could you ever get tired of that? God, our story, praise His name, is a story of God changing people's lives. Many of you here tonight, you are different, aren't you? I love to hear you say that. You say, Pastor Robbie, I've grown so much. I've learned so much. I've I've let God use me. We've got people in our church who've been Christians for years, and they've never gone on a mission trip until the last few years. I say, what a privilege, amen, that I got to be a part of a church family where somebody experienced that for the first time. Pastor Robbie, I had never shared my faith before until I began to learn how important that was and I began to learn how to do that here through our church family. Praise God, amen? Did you know every week people are going out all over this community? There are over 300 people in worship on a given weekend. 
And those people are going out to different stores, to different restaurants, to different jobs, to different neighborhoods, and they're telling people about Jesus. Lives are being changed. That's the story of our church family. I shared with you earlier, I remember sitting in North Carolina, reading these verses, and just thinking, God, really? Could you do that? It was fuzzy. I mean, I was like, I'm looking at you right now. It was fuzzy. But then I look at your faces right now and I just say, wow. Thank you, Lord. I see what it is that he knew in his heart he was going to do. It was just a fuzzy dream then, but now that dream's coming true. The pictures become clearer and there's still much more to go. God started this church for a reason. He's writing a story. And I want to ask you a question tonight. What part do you play in that story? Why has God brought you here to this church family? Has he brought you here tonight? Because just like those Thai students last week, just like many people on a weekly basis are giving their life to Christ, maybe you're getting it for the first time in your life. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but it was just about religion or ritual or just doing the right things or whatever it is, but God is just speaking to you, I want to have a relationship with you. Or maybe you've never been to church before and you thought God was just mean and harsh and just trying to put you down and you're realizing that God came to be your Savior. That word means evangelism means it's good news. The word gospel means good news. There is bad news. We're sinners. But the good news is God wants to forgive us of our sins. There is nowhere else in this world you can go to have those sins forgiven except Jesus Christ. Maybe God that wants you to be a part of that story tonight. You are the next changed life. You know what I'm praying? I'm praying that Christians who are part of New Hope, I pray, you know what, it doesn't bother me when I preach, when I see you squirm a little bit. I like that. <laughs> Don't worry, I squirm all week preparing the message so, and then trying to live it out afterwards too. But you know what? What a blessing that is to see your hungry hearts. And tonight I just want to ask you this. Is your heart hungry? Have you grown satisfied? Are you comfortable? Are you a part? Is God changing your life? Is He writing that story in your life? Are you letting Him work in your life? God's going to do what God's going to do. The real question is, am I going to be a part of it? Are you a part of it tonight? Are you a part of that story? Is God calling you to step out in ways you've never stepped out before? Trust in Him to use you in ways you've never... Some of you have been a part of church before. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. You know, I've done certain things. That's great. Are you doing it here? Or are you doing more here? Are you, are you trusting Him in different directions? He's writing a story. If he's called you here to be a part of it, are you trusting him to do it through you? As we celebrate our 10-year anniversary, God just put on my heart to go back to it. Now, next week I share with you, we're going we're gonna to talk about the second part of this message next week. As we invite our open house, we invite guests to come to our church, we're going to share more about who it is that God's called us to be as a church family. But I just felt led tonight, church family, to challenge you with what God challenged me 15 years ago. And I pray that he would use it in a similar way in your life. Let's pray together.
Dear Lord, some of this is just between me and you. As I look back and I think about how you spoke to my heart those years ago, I just applaud you, Lord. (laughs) You're better than I expected. You're more than I ever knew. You're more faithful. You're stronger. You can provide more. God, it's, it's unbelievable what you've done. And just between me and you, Lord, I just, I love you and I thank you. And I ask you to help me to trust you even more in the future because you are so faithful. And I pray, God, that you would just use that story just between me and you. And Lord, that maybe just by pulling the curtain back on that tonight and and letting some others into that process, that you would speak to others here tonight. You know where they're at. You know the condition of their heart. You know what you've been doing in their life up to this point. You know the plans that you have ahead for them. God, you know it all. I just give them all to you tonight. And I ask God that you would just speak and move in our hearts. As we celebrate this milestone, the 10-year anniversary, I pray that you would get even more glory for what you've done. Change somebody's heart tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. I want to ask you just to bow before the Lord for just a moment. As Pastor Jeff plays. take your time we're always in such a hurry one thing when you learn when you go overseas you learn is Americans are always so hurried so much bound by the clock why don't you just clear out a little bit of a spot right there where you're sitting and give God the opportunity to do his work in your heart if you would stand together with me as we close out the service Pastor Jeff's going to lead us in this song but it's not necessarily a closing song it can be if we're wrapping up God's work but it could be an invitation for somebody tonight wouldn't it be awesome to say on the 10 year anniversary celebration of our church I made a decision I put a flag in the ground. I said, I'm going to accept Jesus as my Savior. I said, I'm going to make this my church family. I said, God, for the next 10 years, I want to pour my heart out in service to you in whatever way you would lead me. I said, God, I'm going to be involved in missions. I said, Lord, I'm going to seek every day an opportunity to share about you with others. Whatever it is, this would be a great opportunity. 
And I want to give you that opportunity right now. It can be just between you and God. Or if you need to talk to somebody, I'm going to be down front. I'd love to pray with you and help you. Especially if you're ready to accept Christ as your Savior. What an awesome opportunity He's put before you. Would you take it right now?